Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. I N. C O M P R E H E N S I B L E. Word of the day incomprehensible. The Scripps National Spelling Bee has been canceled, not postponed, not halted. It hadn't started. If you haven't seen bad words, get out and go see it. It's about spelling bees with Jason Bateman, the guy from Ozark, whose season three you must have binged, which I haven't reviewed yet because I'm saving it. I'm saving Ozark third season because I'm so excited that I'm watching everything else I can. And then when it gets down to the nitty gritty of what I think will be the last seven to 14 weeks of quarantine, I just said four, seven to 14 weeks. I meant seven to 14 days. Maybe it is seven to 14 weeks. I'm going to watch Ozark season three. Jason Bateman, of course, the star. He stars in a movie called Bad Words. It's one of the funniest movies you will ever see. And it's spelling bee. The spelling bee has been canceled. I think what I spelled, and I just read this before I started taping, and Coca just told me about this. So we came up with a new word of the day. We had another word of the day we were ready to go with. But this is what we do at Nothing Personal. We have up to the minute. And when we get word that the Scripps National Spelling Bee is canceled for the first time since 1945, stop the presses. We are switching word of the day. And it can't just be I'm going to say the word of the day. You have to spell the word of the day. There's a 50% chance I didn't spell it correctly because I forgot what word I was spelling until I started because we started to record. And once we start to record, the most I've ever done, and it happened today, we started to record. And all of a sudden I said, hey, I couldn't spell a word, so I actually said cut, and then I said, no, no, start, because we don't cut. So I don't think the cut will be in the show, but it could be in the show. I think Coca may have been recording the cut. In any case, it's incomprehensible. In, in, incomprehensible. What is the meaning of the word? Hard to believe. Impossible to imagine. Can you please use it in a sentence? It is incomprehensible to me that the Scripps National Spelling Bee has been canceled for the first time since 1945. Has anyone heard of a Zoom meeting? Ah, you will not be able to enforce the possibility that the kids, while on Zoom, could potentially be Googling how to spell the word. I guess my view of that is if you're going to actually cheat at a spelling bee, come on, man. All these kids taking their open book, right? Anyone have kids taking open book exams and all part of the online learning? And you say to your kids, listen, you got to get good grades, but don't cheat. It's an open book. You can do anything you want, but you don't need to Google the answer. Just do your work. 
Coca's reminding me correctly so that the script spelling be ended last year in an eight-way tie. That in no way does anything to help this segment. It doesn't add one thing to the show except to say eight-way ties are a joke. There's got to be a winner. Give them one more word. Keep going. It's got That would be like the NCAA tournament at, in the final game. It's sort of tied, final four, and they say, all right, you're all winners. I don't like that. There's one winner. Everyone else is a loser. Okay, word of the day, incomprehensible. You know what was going to be the word of the day, and it's now not, but we're going to talk about it because it's so incredible. I wanted to give you a French word called arrête. Arrête means stop. Arrête, A-R-R-E-T, as in it's enough. Now, I've given you a word for schwunt, that was Yiddish. I've given you genug, that was Yiddish. I've done some French, I know that too. This one was... Another French word, because I read late yesterday and early today, there's two people who you may not have heard of before. One of them you probably haven't heard of. His name is Tony Khan. The other one is Yannick Ngakwe. Take that, Coca. Yannick Ngakwe, defensive end for the Jacksonville Jaguars, probably their best defensive player. We've talked about it before on the show. I tweeted about it yesterday, and you may have seen it at David P. Sampson. You do not get into a Twitter war with your players, ever. You can get into a Twitter war with former players once you're not in the game. I've had Twitter exchanges with many players since I left baseball. Would never get into a Twitter exchange ever as the president of a team. Tony Khan is the son of the head owner, the main owner, the general partner. Tony Khan is in charge of maybe development or analytics or something, but he's the owner's son. And I know a thing or two about being an owner's son, and you have to tread carefully because you always have people looking askance at you because they believe you have the job for no other reason than your dad owns the team. They believe that you're not good at what you do. They believe you haven't earned the right to do what you do, that you were born on third base and believe you hit a triple. I've heard them all, all. When you're 5'5 and the son of the owner, it can, uh, it can leave a mark, but one thing I never did is I never used that as either a catapult or an excuse for how I behaved or what I did. I accomplished whatever I accomplished by doing it, what I thought was right, working for someone who I respected as an owner and separated very much the owner and family part, the boss and family part. But the reality is you have extra eyes on you when you are the son of the owner. Always. Everyone's looking. And of course, I've not been perfect. Don't get me wrong. Never. Never. I've made more mistakes than most because I've gone to the plate, and I've always said that. If you're willing to take a swing, the only problem you have is you may miss the ball. But if you take a called third strike like Beltran against Wainwright in the LCS way back when, guess what happens? You can't possibly do anything. You have to swing. So I'll swing. So Tony Khan was probably thinking he was swinging, getting into the trade, into the Twitter war. Here's the quick background. Ngakwe has wanted a trade. And you know where I stand on this. You've listened to me talk on these pods. I appreciate your loyalty. Players do not have the right to get traded just because they demand a trade. Period. Hard stop. End of sentence. You don't have to trade Christian Yelich because he doesn't want to be a Marlin. You don't have to trade Giancarlo Stanton because he doesn't want to be a Marlin. You don't have to trade anybody simply because they don't want to be on your team. Now, if you're looking for great team unity, if you're looking to show who's boss... It's funny, right? There are people who say, baseball executives and football executives and basketball executives, 
They try to gnarl their terrible teeth and pound their chest. That's a Where the Wild Things Are reference. That's a book by Maurice Sendak. And they say, I am going to trade. I am going to trade a player who doesn't want to play for me because I'm going to show them who's boss. Guess what? Here's how it works. You know how you show a player who the boss is? How did Jerry Reinsdorf show the player who boss was to Scottie Pippen? I'm the boss. I'm not redoing your contract. Jerry Krause, I'm the boss. If I want to trade you, I'll trade you. If I want Phil Jackson gone, he's gone. The Jacksonville Jaguars do not have to trade. Do not have to trade in Gakwai. So he got extremely upset over the course of the past few months, year even. And he demanded a trade on Twitter. And there was no response. And then Tony, and then he said to Tony Khan directly at him, stop hiding Mo. Now, I don't know if Mo is Tony Khan's nickname. I'm going to say that he meant Larry Curley and Mo. Coco, we didn't talk about this before the show. When he said Mo to Tony Khan, I assumed he was referring to Tony as one of the three stooges, meaning the people who run the Jaguars team. Now, if you're a player and you call your owner or your owner's son a stooge named Mo, that's probably not going to go well for you no matter how talented you are. But then Tony Khan responded and said, I'm not hiding. I've been in isolation getting ready for the draft, but you wouldn't know that because you unfollowed me. To which Ngakwe responded, just trade me. I don't need a speech. To which Tony Khan responded, show me the compensation. I mean, he could have used a better word. He should have said, show me the trade package. Because when you say compensation in sports, I'm sure that Yannick was talking about, thought you were talking about money. So you should have just said, show me the trade package. Show me the compensation. I'm sure you're really driving up the price today, which was an absolute brilliant statement by Tony Khan saying, listen, we're not going to give you away. You're a franchise asset. Just because I don't like you and you don't like me doesn't mean a tinker's damn That's a mixed metaphor. I don't give a tinker's damn that you don't like me. Do you think that there's a chance that they're sitting now in the Jacksonville Jaguar front office with the draft 48 hours away and they're trying to figure out whether they should be trading in Gakwe? There's no way. By the way, this is value-added. Coke is whispering in my ear that Mo is slang. I don't know what Mo is slang for, so if you could continue your thought, because I can still talk while you talk. One of the things that he doesn't get, Coca, is that while you're telling me things that will be helpful to our audience, I can read what you're saying, listen to what you're saying, and work it into a sentence. So apparently Mo is slang for a person from the DMV, which is D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. I, I guess Tony Khan must be from that. I don't know if we have any proof that that's what he was referring to at all. But to make a long story short, whether he was calling him a three stooge or a slang, so is that not pejorative, Coca? Is that a nice word? Is that like a word of, of love when you say, hey, I love you, Mo? Is that like instead of Philip Morris, Coca? Can you hear me? All right, Coca's saying no. It's like, bro. All right. So I guess it's not negative. It's not pejorative. It's just stop hiding Mo is like stop hiding bro. So it would be the same as him saying stop hiding Tony or stop hiding Mr. Khan. Okay, great. So we didn't call him one of the members of the Three Stooges because what Coca's reminding me is there's a 97% chance neither Coney nor Yannick can actually name the Three Stooges. So I've merely shown my boomer status that I know the Three Stooges. Be that as it may, not the point of the story, Coco, we're moving O-N. The point is, 
when you are Tony Khan, no matter how much you can't stand Yannick, no matter how much you want to respond to these public Twitter brawls and these these sort of uh, oomphs. What's the word when you an oots when you when you poke someone? It's like poking a bear. You can't do it. If I'm the owner and I'm calling up the president, I've been called many times by the owner to say, stop doing this, stop doing that. I can't believe you said this. I can't believe you said that. All of which he was right and I was wrong, but I kept going because I get you. I guess you get good, the good with the bad. The reality is Tony's got to be told to stand down. Do not get into a Twitter feud with your player, current player. It's not worth it. But I would have called Yannick on the phone immediately. And I would have said, if you want to tweet about what this conversation is, go right ahead. But I will never publicly disrespect you the way that you're publicly disrespecting me in the organization. If we can find a way to trade you where we are getting back fair compensation, we'll trade you. I, I would have gone full communication with the player. Full. No problem at all. But that's not what Tony chose. Tony Khan chose to go back and forth, and it's going to end up costing him and the Jaguars. It hurts your team. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So you want to talk to Samson? Yes, you do. Thank you. That's it from a movie half-baked. You know that. If you're a first-time listener, so you want to talk to Samson, follow me at David P. Samson. Go into the DMs and ask me a question, and I'll get to it. But in addition, at the end of this month, the first Saturday of May, there will be a mailbag pod where if you rate and review five stars, ask a question in the review, I will answer it during the end of month mailbag pod. So we're getting there. It's hard to believe it's already April 21st. And we recall when March ended, everyone said, God, that was the longest, most horrific month ever. I have a feeling March will have that same review. So the question, so you want to talk to Samson came and it was, can you please explain the new lawsuit filed against Major League Baseball and all the teams and StubHub and Ticketmaster and whether or not you think there is a chance that the people can win? Power to the people. Yeah, that wasn't in the question. I just added that. Okay, so here's what happened. After every season, but let's start actually in August of a season. So with about 45 games left, every team in baseball, and frankly, every team in the NBA, every team in the NFL, every team in the NHL, they start selling season tickets during the previous season. So season tickets for the 2020 season went on sale in the middle of August of 2019. That's when you set up what's called your renewal campaign, where you try to get as many season ticket holders current to renew for the following year. 
And you give them all sorts of incentives. You send a very nice package with a nice letter from me or from a player or from a manager or from somebody saying, hey, we love you. We've had another great season. We've had another tough season. We've had a season where we had a chance. We've had a season where we're building toward the future. We would basically have a, it's like Mad Libs where we'd have fill in the blank letters and it would come with little trinkets of gifts. And we try to, because all we're trying to do is get your money because we need your season ticket receipts and your deposits in order to pay bills during the course of August and September while players are being paid. So we get your money in advance and that money is as a deposit into the next season tickets. Then before spring training starts, every team opens up individual game sales. Individual game sales are when you have, you know, the schedule and you know what the, um, you know, I said, um, I can't stand that. I say, um, I apologize for saying, um, um, is a word for lazy people who aren't okay with silence while they're actually thinking of the word they're trying to say. So it is also a time where people buy tickets because the promotional calendar has been released. So many people buy according to a bobblehead or according to a giveaway. That's very normal. Or they buy according to an opponent or according to a day of the week. Meanwhile, you're still selling season ticket packages all the way through the off season and then all the way through spring training or the exhibition season in other sports. So in baseball, tickets were being sold and they were being sold in advance because you had season ticket holders, then individual game holders. The attendance for a particular game when it's not being made up by a team president, is made up of season tickets who have tickets to that game. Now, if I have 10,000 season ticket holders, here's another little quick business lesson. When you read that a team has 5,000 season ticket holders, you're reading one of two things. A season ticket holder is anyone, any seat that is owned by a season ticket holder. It can be for a half a season, a full season, a 10-game plan, a 20-game plan. It doesn't matter. That person has that seat. That's a season ticket holder. Now, picture a seat in the seventh row above the dugout where someone buys a half-season ticket, but then someone else buys that same seat for a, a, the other half of the season. That would be the equivalent of two season ticket holders, but one full season ticket equivalent. So to make this more clear, when you read stats that are always made up that say, yeah, the Yankees have 25,000 season ticket holders. That does not mean they have 25,000 full season ticket equivalent holders meaning that doesn't mean there are 25,000 people who buy a full season ticket for a seat 25,000 times. The other way it's described is, hey, we've got 20,000 season ticket holders. That means those are holders of people. That doesn't mean the number of seats. That's the number of people who have a season ticket plan, regardless of how many games it's for. So when I tell you that we have 5,000 season ticket equivalents, that means that there are 5,000 people who will be at each game because they have bought a ticket for that game. If I tell you I have 5,000 season ticket holders, it means there's some games where there's only 2,000 of them who have a ticket to that particular game. So what that means to say to you is 
when a game is on the board before a season starts, there are certain tickets available and you go online and you go to Ticketmaster or StubHub or you go to the ticket office and you buy a ticket to a future game. You give them the money, they give you the ticket, and then you go home and you wait for the game to happen. Well, what about all the people who had opening day on March 26th? We talked about it nothing personal. If you bought an individual or a group ticket, meaning you're, you got your group to go to opening day, they were all excited to go to opening day. They got a suite. They got catering. It was awesome. Well, what do you do when that game doesn't happen March 26th? Do you get your money back? Nope, because that game has been postponed. When you buy a ticket to an event and the event doesn't happen on the day it's supposed to happen, take a look for the following words, which we've taught you on Nothing Personal. Postponed versus canceled versus halted. Any game that is canceled, you get a refund. Any game that's postponed, you get no refund. This lawsuit is saying that games have been postponed that they believe will never be played because they've read that it's going to be a shorter season, because they've read about games without fans, because they've seen the lack of likelihood of having 81 home games that they've paid for or the game on April 17th being played against the Yankees. And that game will never be rescheduled because they're going to pick up the schedule right where they start. If they start July 1st, whoever you're going to play July 1st, that becomes your opening day. That sounds like a perfect lawsuit. The people win. No, you don't win. You don't have a chance to win because the games haven't been canceled. You may be right they're going to be canceled. But today you're not. And once they are canceled... I understand that you'll want a refund and you're going to get a refund. It's possible season ticket holders will have their refund moved into next year's season tickets. It's possible that when you bought group tickets, you were told that this deposit is non-refundable. This payment is non-refundable, even in cancellation, in which case you better be a very greasy wheel with a spoon. Is that the expression, Coca? The greasy oil gets the wheel. The greasy spoon gets the oil. The greasy Wheel gets the spoon. Whatever it is, what that means is if you're a huge pain in the neck to the season ticket people who you call or the operator, the customer service people, and you ask to speak to their boss and their boss and their boss, and then by some pure stroke of impossible luck, you make it all the way to me, I'd probably give you a refund because I don't want to hear it. I'm busy. But if you're, but my word to everybody down in sales is no refunds, period, end of story. This lawsuit against the 30 major league teams has about as much chance of winning as someone suing because they weren't 10 inches taller and they sue their parents because their parents are short. How's that going to go? Probably not great. Why could it be a class action suit? Because there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of money and bought tickets to games that may not happen. But right now they are. When they don't, we'll jump off that bridge when we get to it. The likelihood is the team organizations will then process refunds given certain conditions, but in no way is it a guarantee. Coke is telling me it's the squeaky wheel gets the oil. I don't even understand why that makes sense. So I guess the squeaky wheel needs oil to not be squeaky. If you want to be a squeaky wheel and call your team or call your concert venue or call Ticketmaster and sit on hold for 12 hours and get an attempt to get your money back, you may succeed unlikely. Now, why do teams need that money and are taking your money? That's what we do. 
That's what companies do. When you buy an airplane ticket that's non-refundable and you have to cancel, do you get your money back? No. You have to pay a change fee, and then you can move that ticket to another day, assuming there's a seat at the same price. Now, airplane companies right now are going bankrupt in theory, and they're all telling you they're going to waive all change fees and waive all cancellation fees. If baseball continues without fans, there is no doubt that individual ticket holders will get a refund if they want, but they'll have to do something to get the refund because otherwise the money will stay in an account if possible and be used toward future games. That's the case for season tickets, group tickets, individuals. It's a bit harder. It'll be interesting to see but it'll never be a lawsuit that you will prevail because if the games stay permanently postponed, there is nothing you can do. Only once they get canceled, and they will only get canceled, only get canceled once you get news of how it's happening. So we got new news. We got great news. Get ready. We have a new plan in baseball. First, it was going to be all Arizona. That's the Arizona plan. Then it was going to be Arizona, Florida. That's the half Arizona, half Florida plan. Then we had a possibility of Japan. That was the Japan plan. Now we've got a new one. It's the three legs of a tripod plan. Anyone know the reference to three legs of a tripod? Emil Hirsch? Alicia Cuthbert? Anyone? Anyone? The girl next door? Three legs of a tripod. That's what we are. Arizona, Florida, and Texas? Texas? Let me get this straight. The, the commissioner of baseball is having conversations with the governor of Florida, a guy named Ron DeSantis, who has simply been shockingly, shockingly unable to deal with this issue of COVID-19 coronavirus. But the commissioner had a call with him yesterday. He may have called the governor of Texas. Then you've got the governor of Arizona. Everyone's excited to get business back. We want the economy to get started again. Why is it that they would choose a three-city plan? They'd split the league into three leagues, right? In theory, 10 teams per location. They keep playing each other because there are major league stadiums. Arizona, you have Chase Field. Florida, you have an opportunity to have the Tampa Bay Rays or the possibility of the Miami Marlins. But here's a question. If I'm the owner of the Texas Rangers, I made the following phone call. Hey, um, Greg, it's, it's me. Yes, it's John. And I, I got to say, Governor Abbott, if you don't mind, could you maybe when you speak to Commissioner Manford, could you say that you really are OK having games in Texas? Because I know that you know that we all know that we have a brand new ballpark for the Texas Rangers it's opening up. It's got a roof. It's perfect. And when you build a brand new ballpark and you don't open it, that is a problem. It's like having a new house that sits empty. It loses value. Its systems don't work. They've got to get the systems operating. A new ballpark must be lived in. They've got to figure out the kinks. This has been, I feel so terribly for the Texas Rangers. This has been a nightmare for them. Having a delay in the opening of your park, not like the L.A. football Jerry Jones special, not like the Las Vegas special uh, for their for their uh, stadium for the Raiders. Those are not quite finished yet. So a year delay now, which is likely going to happen, would not be the end of the world by any stretch because it wasn't really ready to open. The Texas Rangers, when spring training stopped, were within 10 days of their first exhibition games. 
So I can imagine that Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, would say to the Rangers and would say to the commissioner of baseball, hey, we're in. You've got to count us in. We've got to get this ballpark. We've got to get it open. So is it practical in any possible way to split everyone into three? Is the purpose so people are maybe closer to their families if they want to see them on off days? Well, that can't be it because, hey, there may not be off days and B, everyone's going to have to be in quarantine. C, we still don't have testing. didn't stop the commissioner from sending a memo to baseball employees today saying, quote, I fully anticipate baseball returning this season. It has been the greatest news ever. I fully anticipate baseball returning this season. We've got a plan of Texas, Florida, Arizona, Florida, Arizona, Florida and Arizona, Florida or Arizona. There could be so many conjunctions used. Why would Manford say I fully anticipate baseball returning? What does he know that we don't know? Does he have information from President Trump? Does he have information from all the governors? Does he have information from Cuomo in New York, DeSantis in Florida? Maybe he's spoken to Ducey in Arizona. Eh. What about Kemp in Georgia? Georgia's open. The Braves are ready to play. Rob doesn't know one more thing than you and I do. Not one more thing, and here's why. Not because he's not smarter than we are, because he is. Not because he doesn't have more inside information than we do, because he does. But the inside information that you get is only as good as the people who give it to you. There is no one in the federal or state government who is willing to say when sports can happen without fans. Forget baseball with fans. Now we're only talking about baseball without fans. That is literally the only thing we're talking about is baseball without fans. So is it true? Wait to see. We don't know yet, and it's okay not to know. What the commissioner needs to be focusing on is saying to his employees, I get why baseball employees are so nervous because they've been told that their contracts could be canceled. They've been told that there's a possibility after May 1st that teams will no longer have to pay managers, coaches, scouts. I get it. Teams have come out and said we're going to pay through May 31st. I get it. What happens after May 31st? That's only one-third of the season for players, managers, coaches. You get paid April, May, June, July, August, September. All that baseball is guaranteed, and it's very nice of the owners and the commissioner to guarantee it, and most teams have done it, but not all, that they will pay April, May. That is one-third of your season. If all of baseball gets canceled, you will not be getting your full salary. I promise you it's not going to happen. You don't need a double A manager if there's no double A and there's not going to be double A. This is a gift that is being given to the double A managers across baseball right now, a gift of one third of your salary. And you're saying, rich owners, why aren't they giving more gifts? Why can't they just pay for everyone all year? No furloughs, no nothing. Let me ask you a question where you work. Um, Do you think that you'd be getting paid if you weren't working anymore, regardless of the global pandemic? Do you think that, You were furloughed because you could still do your job, but you weren't good enough to do it anymore? No, you were furloughed because there was no reason to do your job because unfortunately the way the pandemic is, your job was no longer necessary. That sucks, but that's the truth. You're telling me as a team president that I'm gonna call the AA manager and say, listen, your job is not necessary, but I'm willing to pay you. No chance. One-third is about what they will get paid, which is why baseball can buy time and make it sound good that they will pay employees through May 31st. Guess what? May 31st is coming. Anyone remember? I bet people do. Anyone remember around March 10th? What were you doing? Getting excited for the NCAA tournament, maybe? 
in the middle of spring training games, taking about opening day, 16 days away. Well, that's how far away March 10th is to today, and that's how far away May 31st is from today. It's going to come like this, the snap of a finger. It's a tough decision the teams are have to make, but they're going to make them. I assure you of that. So I got called by a, uh, a friend who is in quarantine who I actually believe has some semblance of movie taste. There are hits, there are misses, but I was told about a movie that I'd never heard of, and I was told that this movie stars Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. I love Daniel Radcliffe. He's Harry. I love Paul Dano because you know I love Ruby Sparks. You know I love There Will Be Blood. You know that he's a brilliant actor. He's actually in a long-term relationship with Zoe Kazan, who I love as well, as an actress, might I add. So they made a movie together called Swiss Army Man. I was told nothing about the movie. I was told, just watch it. What's the worst that can happen during quarantine in a total of 96 minutes? What is the single worst thing that could happen, I was asked. And the answer is nothing. You know I'm going to give it 96 minutes because I don't stop watching movies once I start. Five minutes into the movie, I got a call. It was Wilson. Wilson, yeah, I'm talking about you again. Wilson called and said, what? This is a movie about Wilson. But except it's not me. It's a dead guy. Harry Potter's dead in the movie acting like Wilson. Wilson, I know. And you asked me to turn it off. But I didn't. I showed Wilson that I'm not going to turn off a movie because I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt no matter what. The first 20 minutes of Swiss Army Man, all I wanted to do was turn it off because it was a poor man's castaway. No Tom Hanks, no Wilson. It's about a person who's way late on an island, played by Paul Dano, who discovers instead of a sail to help him leave the island. Because remember, tomorrow the sun will rise. Who knows what the tide could bring? What the tide brought him was a corpse. I didn't give up, though. I did not give up. And I was rewarded with 80 minutes of brilliance, scary brilliance, because what concerns me is you will watch Swiss Army Man. You won't give in to your desire to shut it off and you'll think I'm crazy or you will watch the whole movie and you'll say, wow, that was a little much. And the answer is that it is a little much. It's called Swiss Army Man. But if you dig a little deeper, it turns out to be the most amazing love story you'll see in, you know, I got emotional about it because the love of these people, I cry every time Tom Hanks loses Wilson. I cried when he yells for Wilson. I mean, I literally tear up, cry, like to the full eye welling, the full thing. And this movie called Swiss Army Man is a fascinating sort of outtake of Castaway. There's no plane crash. There's no sort of um, scary scene in that way. But what there is is a movie between people and how the brain works. And I'm fascinated, fascinated by how the brain works. ML Beard Challenge, day 37. I'm shouting out to Michael Sear. I think your name, last name is C-Y-R. I think on Twitter, I wrote down that you're a Lions fan living in Packer country. Is that possible, that you're a Lions fan living in Packer country? If it is, then you win. 
here. I'm going to your, you are a Lions fan in Packer country. And your name is Michael Sear 2. I think that may be Michael Sear the second. Well, here's a shout out to you, Michael. You got it. Today's team is Charlotte. Why is that? I've had a bunch of people give me guesses. They've all been wrong. ML Beer Challenge is where we gave away $1,000 to every one of the 30 MLB teams. Now we're giving away $1,000 to every one of the 32 NBA teams or organizations in the 32 NBA cities in order to help people who've been impacted by COVID. I'm doing this for 100 days after the NBA is finished. That'll be 62 days, plus Feeding South Florida will be 63 days of 37 days left for all sorts of different organizations and different sorts of possibilities. Because I don't think MLB opening day is going to happen within 100 days of when I started. If it does, then the beer challenge is over. And if 100 days passes, 100 grand is the limit of what I'll be giving away. Nothing personal will be giving away. But the beer will continue. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Coke is still growing his beard and it's getting a little nappy. Coke's beard, we're going to we're going to post a picture in 2 days. It's the day 39 survivor picture what Coke and I would look like at the end of survivor and you'll see that Coke is growing hair down like from below his chin. It's the most bizarre looking beard ever. My beard is much more full and even, though of course not from a color standpoint. So the team today is Charlotte. Why does Charlotte interest me? Charlotte interests me because, uh, do you remember when Larry Johnson was on Charlotte? Muggsy Bogues, anyone remember Alonzo Mourning? Charlotte's a team that was pretty good against the Knicks back in the day. And I've told you stories of how I got to know Jerry Krause because I sat two rows behind him at Nick Games. Lucky enough to do that. I sat two rows behind the owners of the Hornets. The owner of the Hornet is a guy named George Shin. George Shin's no longer the owner of the Hornet. Do you know the owner of the Charlotte team currently? Do you? Anyone? Coca? Do you know? The owner of the Charlotte team is a guy named Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is a player who used to play in the NBA. It's now a team called the Charlotte Bobcats. The Charlotte Hornets were actually moved, and then an expansion team was granted. In any case, the old original owner was a man named George Shin. George Shin was a pretty popular guy. Is it now the Charlotte Hornets, not the Charlotte Bobcats? It's the Charlotte Hornets again, Coke is telling me. Were they ever the Charlotte Bobcats? Am I making that up completely? I thought the Charlotte Hornets moved somewhere, and then it became the New Orleans Hornets. Then New Orleans changed to the Pelicans, and then Charlotte got an expansion team, named the Charlotte Bobcats, and then changed their name back to the Charlotte Hornets, making people believe that it's the original Charlotte Hornets. Is any of that true? Well, none of it matters, because Michael Jordan's the owner, and it's not going so well. But George Shin, the previous owner, would sit two rows in front. He was a typical guy, right? An owner of a team, excited to be an owner. He traveled with a group of guys, all of whom were much bigger than he was. He was pretty much my size. And uh, he was very vociferous in his love for his team. As an owner, I get it. I was very vociferous in my love of the Knicks. I was a person not involved in baseball. I was not involved in sports. I would go talk to them during timeouts. I would go talk to them during halftime. I would drive them crazy, not asking for autographs, not asking for anything other than I wanted to give them my view of how they were building their team. Now, as a person who was an executive for 18 years, the thought of a fan coming up to me and telling me how bad I basically did at my job. I wouldn't want to hear that either, though I'd have to pretend that I'd want to hear it because I'm trying to be a good guy. 
and once in a while I'd learn something new and special from a fan. George Shin, I think the only thing he ever learned from me is that he probably overpaid for some players. But one day, George Shin had enough, and he turned around, and I was basically told during a playoff game to shut the F up. Full swear word. He lost his patience, and then his guards, his co-owners, guards, big friends, threatened threatened to come attack me, and we were within 10 feet. And I still have never been punched in my life. I've never thrown a punch in my life, and I've got a mouth the size of the Grand Canyon, but I'm able to talk my way out of any situation. But every once in a while, I need people who are loyal to me and who I'm always loyal to to step in and take care of a situation because dating back to grade school, middle school, what's called bullying now was a Tuesday where people would want to beat me up, and I had friends who would protect me except when they'd say, that's enough. Samson, stop. It's enough. We're not going to be able to protect you much longer. But they always did. So I had two people at that game who stood up and made sure that George Shin and his cronies couldn't touch me. One, thank you, Mom. She was ferocious. Two, David Belafonte. David Belafonte is Harry Belafonte's son, I met Harry Belafonte through Nick Games and was lucky enough then to meet his son, David, and his girlfriend, now wife, Milena. And we, would, we were a family. That's what season ticket holders are when you go to games. You sit in the same area. You become a family with the people who are there. It's not your work family. It's your, it's your team family. It's your love of team family. A, a very famous, phenomenal producer named David uh, Picker, who recently passed away, and his wife, Sandy, were there as well and part of it. But in any case, guess what? David Belafonte and my mom stood up and they said, you will not touch my son. David said, you won't touch David. Thank you, guys. Charlotte, I'm sending you $1,000. All right, next, we've got, uh, we've got a good one for you. And, I, and I'm just going to spend a few minutes on this because I want to make it very clear what you're reading versus what's reality. There are a lot of Mets fans who have been contacting me, a lot of you. You're contacting me publicly, privately, so excited that A-Rod and J-Lo are going to be the owners of your team. As though you think for whatever reason that means that you're going to get to meet J-Lo or A-Rod or hang out. And yesterday night, word came out that they have enlisted the help of J.P. Morgan, a phenomenal bank with phenomenal bankers. They've enlisted the help of J.P. Morgan to help them in their desire to buy the New York Mets. Let me explain to everyone what that means. Here's how it goes. So A-Rod, like Derek Jeter, had a banker who he worked for and a guy named Greg. And Greg really is the one who did his bidding for the most part um, and then stopped. But A-Rod has people and J-Lo have people. They two of them have people together. They call up J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan competes with a bunch of other banks. You've got Bank of America. You've got uh, Wells Fargo. You've got Goldman Sachs. You've got all sorts of different banks. There's one of their main jobs is they lend money to people to help them buy sports teams. What A-Rod and J-Lo are getting from J.P. Morgan, what they're trying to get is the ability to borrow money or to get help to put a syndicate together of people who can help A-Rod and J-Lo buy the Mets. A-Rod and J-Lo do not have the money by themselves to buy the Mets, not even close. They need to find a billionaire like Steve Cohn, like Steve Ballmer, like Bruce Sherman, someone like that who can come like Bill Gates, 
How great would that be? Mark Cuban, possible. Those are the money people. The goal, if you're a Derek Jeter, is to find a money person who doesn't want to be in the front, who's willing to let you do everything because A-Rod wants to be the front man like Jeter is. This is all about A-Rod versus Jeter. If you think for a minute that A-Rod isn't steaming that Derek Jeter owns the Marlins, even at $1.2 billion, even with the work games not happening now, even with the team losing money and the team losing a hundo, none of that matters because like any competitive person, they believe they will be able to do better. A-Rod wants a team so badly because he can do better. He will be a better owner than Derek. It is all about that. And if he gets the Mets, he's got a the team in New York. He gets to own a team in New York. The only thing better that would be an absolute screw you to Jeter than buying the Mets would be buying the Yankees. That's it. So A-Rod badly wants it, but he's got to get money. So he calls up a bank like J.P. Morgan. He says, listen, I need to both borrow money and you've got to find people who are in your stable of clients who can help find people who can join with me to buy the Mets. A-Rod, I've told you this 10 times in person, at lunch, on the phone. I'll say it again on Nothing Personal. The way you have an opportunity to buy the Mets is get out of the press Present to the Mets and to Major League Baseball a baked deal where you've got $2.4, $2.5 billion. You know that you will need out of that a billion and a half of equity. You have a billion and a half of equity. You can borrow $800 million. You have documents that say you can borrow the money. You've got a front man who can be a control person like a Bruce Sherman who is putting up the majority of the money, four to $500 million by himself. That will be the control person. You will be a CEO and co-owner. Present that. Get Fred and Jeff Wilpon to agree that they would even consider you. Then you go to the commissioner and say, we've got a fully baked package. Can you get me 23 votes? That would be a possible start. All of this leaked stuff about A-Rod and J-Lo and bankers, and they want this, they want that. It means for sure it's not going to happen. It's not even worthy of a wait to see. Eh, sort of is. I have to do it. It's like low-hanging fruit, isn't it? Is it fair if I give you a wait to see, which is what I'm held accountable for being right or wrong? And I've got a few wrong. I've got a few right. But is it okay if I do a wait to see, which says that the Mets will not be sold to A-Rod and J-Lo? As the control people, it's, it's like a give me. It's a guarantee. I'm doing it. I need a victory. Wait to see. The Mets will not be sold to A-Rod and J-Lo with them as co-control people or A-Rod is a solo control person or J-Lo is a solo control person. Never. No chance. Not. And you don't even need to call A-Rod and say it. But come join me. Say it out loud. A-Rod. It's just business. It's nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 